You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. The sound of the voice on the other end of a 911 call is almost always delivered frantically. The needs of the caller on the other end of a 911 call are ones that need to be met immediately. The services sent to a caller during a 911 call are always delivered efficiently. The stories, perspectives, and details created by these calls over more than 20 years are life lessons and legacies for everyone involved, including me. The records are archived for all time, like this podcast, digitally. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa. This is Digitally Dispatched. Something that's really big in the news right now, and it has to do with some dispatchers that are, well, not doing their job the way they should be. And I have asked my podcast guru, Mike Wilkerson, to join me so that we can have a discussion about this. Hey, everyone. (laughs) There's a couple of dispatchers that we're going to focus on in this podcast. And the first one is Krishanda Williams. And she was a dispatcher in Houston. This all happened in 2018 with her. What had happened was she was a 911 dispatcher and had been working as a dispatcher for about 18 months. And Houston has a very large call center. So they take in hundreds and thousands of calls each week. Right, right. And apparently, Miss Krishanda Williams had been taking thousands of 911 calls. Wow. And hung up on them, Mike. Wow. Yeah. I, she, I can't imagine that. Just, uh, no. just outright hanging up. No soup for you. Just pick up and hang up. Wow. And I mean, at my dispatch center, I'll get 100 calls a day if it's busy. And that's a 12-hour shift. Mm-hmm. They'll get 100 in an hour. Wow. So it's crazy busy in the bigger cities, mm-hmm. as you would imagine. Yeah. And Krishanda decided that she just didn't want to talk to people. And she was interviewed after she was let go from the call center. And they said, well, why would you do this? And she said, sometimes I just didn't feel like talking to people. Oh, well. Is that not the nature of her job? It's the nature of her job. But <laughs> it's also kind of the code that you take on when you become a dispatcher. Is it not to facilitate communication and make sure people are being yes. taken care of as needed? <laughs> yeah, that's the and heart of our job. Yeah, that's, and that's I mean, odd. if you don't want to talk to people, don't get into communications of any sort. Yeah. I mean, in particular, emergency or potentially emergency right. communications. That's no, terrible. Mike, I don't want to. I would like to be a podcaster, but I don't want to talk. <laughs> Can you? No, I can't even imagine. Well, one thing that had happened that they discussed in the article that I read about Miss Williams was an off-duty officer had called in. He was on the highway. And happens out here, too, in the St. Louis area where you see drag racing every once in a while on oh, the yeah. major highways. Sure. It's so dangerous. It, it's actually been really bad over the course of COVID. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's exploded where downtown St. Louis was actually essentially a drag strip at, at, right. in the wee hours. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a huge problem. Right. Yeah. And this was happening back in 2018 in mm-hmm. Houston. Mm-hmm. And an off-duty officer called in to give vehicle descriptions where it was happening at. Mm-hmm. She caught him off right in the middle of his discussion and said, ain't got time for that. For real. And then hung up on him. Wow. I just, I, I'm i taken aback because I can't imagine one ever saying that to an officer. No. Let alone any caller. And just hanging up on somebody because you don't want to listen to them because they ain't got time for that. 
well, what if one of those cars veered off the roadway and killed people mm-hmm. or hit another car or whatever? Mm-hmm. This is all on her shoulders. And just in the 18 months that she worked there, like I said before, she hung up on thousands of calls. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine. No, I can't either. So she was sentenced. They, she did have to go to court and everything else for that. She was sentenced to 10 days in jail mm-hmm. for hanging up on 911 calls. And then she was put on 18 months of probation. Wow. I know. Seems a little light to me, but that's just because I'm a dispatcher and I take more pride in my job than obviously she did. I'm not a huge fan of that punishment at all. Mm-mm. It doesn't feel like anything was done. Uh, being on being on probation for 18 months? Yeah. What does that actually mean to someone that is just going to hang up the phone whenever she wants <laughs> because she's busy or and it's not gonna doesn't want to talk to people? And not going to mean I don't anything. I understand that. I don't no. understand that. And it's such a minor thing to anybody else. Oh, you hung up on calls and now you're on probation. They're going to look at that as laughable, you know, because who cares? But Well, not only that, it's pe- not a punishment. It's where no. if anybody else ever considered doing it, now there's precedent that if you were to do something like that, well, it's all right. Because yeah. they just, they gave her 18 months of probation and sure, she had to sit in a jail cell for 10 days. But geez, we sit in the dispatch center for 10 days. 12 hours a day <laughs> for 10 days. Right, right. Well, and so it was a slap on the wrist and it's just not, it's just not right. Yeah. A second young woman I'd like to talk about, and her name is Precious Stevens. Mm. And Precious worked in New Orleans, and this is a hot call right now. It's happened in 2021. She is currently, and this is December of 2021, she is on the lam. Mm. She is a fugitive from justice Mm -hmm. because she, too, thought it would be a good idea to hang up on 911 calls. Mm. And she got caught. And apparently, like my dispatch center, every so often my bosses will pull random calls, whether it's on the landlines or 911 calls, just to see how we're doing, how we talk to people. As it should be. Yeah. And we get a little Mm -hmm. bit of an evaluation. You should have done this a little bit better Mm -hmm. or you did great on this. And they did this in New Orleans, which is where she worked. And on the dates that they pulled calls for her, it was just two days, she had hung up apparently on so many calls, she was immediately fired. And when that happened, they did an internal investigation on some of her other calls, and they went back and looked at at her calls. Now, I don't know how long she'd been working there, Mm -hmm. but apparently it was long enough that she, too, had hung up on hundreds of calls. There's two things that strike me here. One is fired, yes. I mean, like, I don't understand how that's not an instantly fireable moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are all kinds of things that all of us can do that would instantly provide a firing moment. Mm -hmm. And I vote for hanging up on 911 calls. Uh, Checkbox. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That that should be right there square in the you're gone. Uh You're gone moments. Not even a warning. You're hanging up on 911 calls. Bye-bye. Yeah. And then you're going to have charges brought against you because it's a crime. Yeah. And the charges that are against her are malfeasance Mm -hmm. in office Mm -hmm. and interfering with an emergency communications for disconnecting 911 calls. Mm -hmm. I had to go and look that up because I've heard the word malfeasance before, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't real sure what meaning was behind it. So I I went ahead and looked that up. So for those of you like me aren't sure what malfeasance means, it is defined as an intentional refusal or failure to perform any duty lawfully required. Basically, She's supposed to be answering 911 calls, getting information, passing it on to an authority figure or to a, a, a another dispatcher so that officers could be sent. Mm-hmm. She didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So that's where the malfeasance comes in. Sure. And then the other charge is interfering with emergency 
communication. And that's pretty obvious. She wasn't doing what she was supposed to do. In her case, she didn't just like pick up, hang up, like I think Williams did, but she was answering the calls, letting people talk for a little bit, Mm -hmm. either hanging up on them in mid-conversation or just not getting any information at all, Mm. which means no officers are going out because we don't know where they are or what they need. She's not getting the information, so she's not passing that on. And with Precious, like I said, she's on the lam right now. She's on the run. She's a fugitive from justice, however you want to phrase it. And those charges are against her. She's got a warrant for both of those charges, and she faces up to five years in jail, Mm -hmm. which I think is a little better than what Krishanda Williams got, which was the slap on the wrist. Oh, it really feels like there'd be some impact with that as well, which Mm -hmm. is what you want in a position like this. Yep. Being able to just go through whatever training there is and then just choose to not answer the phone or worse yet, get the calls and just hang up on them, or even worse yet, taking the calls and then not doing your duty. Right. There has to be something other than just, and you're fired. Mm -hmm. The the word malfeasance is perfect here, um, but the dereliction of duty Mm -hmm. concept needs to get thrown in here super steadfast. Right. And like Miss Williams, she worked in a huge call center, and it's in New Orleans, and we know New Orleans is, is a very large city. And the thing with this situation with her... Lots of calls are coming in because they just got hit by another hurricane, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. this past year. So, you know, you've got a lot of people who are, are in desperate need, whether it's medical or or not. And she's not sending anybody out to help them. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being the person that calls in? No, I can't. Telling your I story can't. and then nobody comes? Yeah. Well, come on. Well, and at some point inside the call, you're going to ask the question, when are they coming? Yeah. And I mean, like that, this is really the crux of what happens here, where at some point I know I've done it myself. When is it that somebody's going to get here? Right. And, and if the answer is, um, we're not sure yet, uh, they're real busy, uh, they're en route, mm-hmm. uh, traffic is bad, um, I got to get my hair done, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. whatever the whatever the answer is going <laughs> yeah. to be, all of that's eventually got to pay off. And when it doesn't, somebody's got to pay for that. Right. I agree. And and. Fortunately, she's going to pay. And I think they're looking into the supervisors and everything else, too, that let this happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was just one of those things that randomly they found it on this particular day and hadn't seen it before. But you would think that people calling into 911 would not just call the one time. But when nobody shows up 15, 20, 30 minutes later, you're going to call back and go, we're still waiting. And that dispatcher is going to go, I'm sorry, what are you waiting for? And then they're going to get the information, make sure that help gets out to them. At least I would hope so. And I know in my small dispatch center, I'll have somebody call in every 10 minutes wanting to know. And it's not even an emergency call per se, Mm -hmm. but they're like, why aren't they here yet? Well, because it doesn't instantaneously happen. They do have to drive to you. But they are for sure en route. And I'll have their name, their number, everything. And I can repeat back to them everything they told me on the call. And usually that second call that comes in, my officers arrive on scene. Mm -hmm. People get you know, impatient. And I get that. But when you're calling 911 because you're having a legitimate emergency and for nobody to come, that's just unthinkable. It's it's criminal. I was just talking to somebody about the rearranging of priority ladder rungs. Mm -hmm. This is a concept that I'm going to be writing about the next year pretty thickly. Mm -hmm. And the the concept is this. Everybody's life, there is a priority ladder, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's your own internal personal priority ladder. You all have one. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, the only person that can rearrange the rungs on that ladder 
is you. It's true. There are several instances where the, that is not the case. And one of them is an emergency mm-hmm. where your house is on fire. Okay. Your personal priority ladder, <laughs> your wife's personal priority ladder, your children's priority ladder, all of those things need to instantly be aligned to take care of things that are on fire, mm-hmm. especially when they're literally on fire. Right. As soon as you start understanding that you have to understand not only when there is an emergency, but when you need to rearrange the rungs on your own priority ladder, mm-hmm. that's when light bulb moments start to happen in your life. It's a very difficult concept for people to get because it's me, 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 mm-hmm. now, 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 right. where's mine, where's mine, where's mine? And the, the sweet irony there is that we're talking about a couple of people that clearly their own priority ladders are completely sideways. Yes, None of what they're doing makes any sense, especially in the context of a code of conduct for dispatchers. Right. Absolutely. I can't wait to share that concept with more people because it it, not only does it instantly allow you to have more function and satisfaction in your life, Mm -hmm. but in particular inside of your job, being able to be able to swap out rungs in a priority ladder, especially based on circumstances that are not Mm -hmm. of your own design. Mm -hmm. It really does take a lot of stress out of everything that you're doing. It takes far more planning on the front end, but when you start doing it and you start reaping the benefits from it, mm-hmm. you will then incorporate it into your life as a piece of function. Right. There's no question. Uh, it, right. it, it doesn't happen instantly. It <laughs> doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen, and it's instantly more satisfying. You just you feel more aware of everything around you. Mm-hmm. That's instant less stress. Well, I can instantly. tell you that my priority ladder changes from my regular life going into you know just me living. Mm-hmm. And then when I step into dispatch, oh, yeah. I have to situate everything else because my priority when I'm in dispatch is officer safety, my citizen's safety, and making sure that everybody goes home to their loved ones mm-hmm. You know that I'm working with mm-hmm. that night or that all of my citizens that call in are safe. Mm-hmm. And then when I leave... The priorities change because then I got to look out for me. Right. You know. Right. You have to know what your priorities are and and why. Yeah. There, there's something I remember vividly when you and I started working together, and I'd never heard it. And I'm now being a 51 year old man, mm-hmm. and having done this so long with you, the first thing that struck me, uh, concept wise, was the concept of the gold line. I mm-hmm. think you can walk up yeah. to anybody now and say the words blue line, oh, yeah. and they instantly, if they're not talking about hockey then they're talking traditionally about police officers. Absolutely. And that's awesome. But if you ever said the gold line, I think you get a lot of the silence (laughs) and the deer in the headlight moments that we just had silently here. And the answer is the gold line is dispatchers. And that's why I don't know officially, I'm going to guess no, but there should be a code of conduct and an oath that is taken by dispatchers, yep. the same as doctors do, the same as police officers do, the same as firefighters and a bunch of other people that mm-hmm. dedicate themselves to the common good of people around them, the public. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any more dire than, hey, my dad's having a heart attack and you call 911 mm-hmm. and I ain't got time for that. Or worse yet, a phone is answered and then it's hung up. Click. That, none of that makes any sense to me. No. And people understanding the priority mm-hmm. that needs to be assembled there, especially right. for the people that are going to take on the job. It's never been more important. Right. It's and never I, been more important. And I agree with you 100%. When we're hired as dispatchers, there is nothing formal like it is with a police officer or a firefighter or EMT. We don't have to take an oath. We mm-hmm. don't have to do anything like that. Now, if our trainers are good, 
they're going to stress to you in the first moments of your training. You are here to help people. And it is your goal to make sure that our officers are safe, that our citizens get the help that they need, and that everybody goes home at the end of the day. And if you can't do that, or you refuse to do that, or you don't have enough compassion to do that, then this is not the job for you. And you have to be able to do that under very stressful situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that my my department is not so busy that I'm not answering one call on top of one call on top of another call. I have worked in agencies that's like that where you don't have time to think. You're going call to call to call to call. And within each one of those calls, though, you still have to have that code of conduct. Mm -hmm. You have to be professional and you have to get help out that needs to be given out. And if you're the one on the radio, you have to hear every single thing those officers say, what their locations are, what their statuses are, and everything else. And if you can't do that, if you can't be on on both sides of that, whether you're on the mic or on the phones, and get everybody home safe, look into a different profession because that's your goal, is to answer calls and answer the radio. That's it. I love this because I just absorb it like a sponge. I I love this. And I know that all of you that are listening also love this, but we've got to take a quick break. So we're going to take a quick break here during the Digitally Dispatched podcast. We will be right back. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, (laughs) you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. Connect with The Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core editorcore.com that's editorcore.com do you like what you're hearing during the digitally dispatched podcast let's have a conversation about how you can help us grow visit my website at digitallydispatched.com and let's find a way to get your organization business or effort to benefit from my focused and engaged audience Let me help you grow your digital footprint and foster educational content on the internet. Open a channel now at digitallydispatched.com. That's digitallydispatched.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing the Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. I'm Manu Patri. I'm an infectious disease doctor and the director of infection prevention at one of the local hospitals in the St. Louis area. And you're listening to another episode of the Digitally Dispatched Podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Look, we've talked about a couple of dispatchers who obviously weren't cut out for this type of work. But I want to jump into a discussion 
about how overworked and understaffed dispatchers are. Coming up to the end of 2021, going into 2022, right now, on the whole, across the country, police officers and dispatchers, they're at an all-time low. I mean, it's hard to get good people in to do the job. People don't want to be a police officer right now because the climate of our our country right now is not a good one for police officers, which in turn are on dispatchers too. I know we we just went through a hiring and it was difficult. I mean, Mm -hmm. we we, Mm -hmm. where we would get 50 to 100 applicants for two or three uh, police officer jobs, now we're only getting 10, 15. And same goes for dispatchers, where we'd get several, now we're only getting a few. But we need those people, and we, we need to discuss how overworked and understaffed dispatching is. For example, inside of one of our local counties that, that is a very large call center, 30% in the past year, 30% of the 911 calls taken were actually put on hold. That, to me, is just gut-wrenching to think I'm having an emergency I call 911 and they're so busy that they have to put me on hold it's not because they don't want to answer the call it's because they don't have enough people answering the phones to take all the 911 calls in some of the larger dispatch centers just like a regular call center they'll have little lights when there's calls in queue that are waiting to be answered and it's a, a blue strobe light that goes on And it lets you know, we've got a hot call waiting for you. And if you can get off, you know, get done with your call, get all the information you need, you can grab that call out of queue. And then the light stops. Apparently that light never stops now because there's so many calls on hold. I think a piece of that's going to be the the dispatchers working will now have become desensitized to it. Probably, yeah. And and what I have to tell you, there's a, this has nothing to do with law enforcement, but it's really a cool, cool story. Our house is enabled with flashing lights when the doors and windows open. Mm-hmm. There's a strobe flash for the doors. There's a strobe flash pattern for the windows. And I have become immune to all of it mostly because, well, I'm there. <laughs> right. My wife, however, is very aware of both of the different strobe patterns, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I would think that that has also become, unfortunately now, for the dispatchers where it's just a blue flashy light that's a piece of their life mm-hmm. as opposed to a internal semi step on the gas pedal moment to get right. the calls taken care mm-hmm. of. If the light never changes, why would they right. want, need to or want to go out of their way to get the light done? Right. And in this particular call center, they are slotted to have 90 dispatchers. Wow. I know. My call center, we have six. Yeah. <laughs> they have 90. Amazing. I know. It's crazy. And then with the 90, there's 12 supervisors. And early in 2021 was when this article was written. They only had 60 dispatchers and 13 of those 60 were still in training. I know. And so you're down to, you know, under 50 dispatchers when you need to have 90. So it's no wonder people are being put on hold. Now, not only is that going to cause burnout for the dispatchers because they're literally not breathing. They're going from call to call to call to call to call. There's no time for a potty break. There's no time for lunch. There's no time for nothing. All you're doing is answering the calls because you can't even leave the floor because there's calls on hold. It's no wonder to me that people who have been doing the job long like I have, I've been doing it for now 20 plus years, 
are tired. You know, you get to a point where everything was going along fine and now you don't have the people to, you know, that are working with you and you're down almost 50% of your, your workforce. It just would have to be so extra stressful. And not only, I, I mentioned that they're overworked, it's because they're working up to 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. They used to have a rule that you couldn't work more than 12 because they didn't want you to burn out or it would be too many hours worked. They don't have a choice now. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory overtime for 16 hours a day. And some of them are doing those 16 hours back to back. Yeah. So there's a common conversation that's happening nowadays. And it's talking about burning the candle at both ends. Yes. And they're not talking about burning the candle at both ends for one person. They're talking about burning both ends of the candle from the aspect of veterans, i.e. people like you, uh-huh. that candle end being burned. But then also the people coming aboard. Mm-hmm. Cause you have to remember you might be really, really gung ho and you go, ah, oh, I laugh at 16 hours. And that's fine. I think I understand that. Uh, But what you may rethink is after about two, maybe less than two weeks Mm -hmm. of 16-hour days with a continually (laughs) flashing light and then all the stressors that are inside of a workplace to get the blue light taken care of that will never be taken care of. Right. That is not a sustainable work environment. No, it's not. And so you wonder why so many places – and this isn't just for this job. This is for Mm -hmm. every job right now. Sure. Where if everything is stressed and everybody is stressed – and nobody is getting any kind of satisfaction out of their job except that I'm here and I'm getting a paycheck and, oh, my God, I've got nine hours left. Right. Well, it's not amazing that some people have issues and just give it up. Right. I, I, I hate even being able to go that Precious and then Miss Williams, maybe they had a reason because the, the stress of what was going on in the world mm-hmm. made them, like, just not care anymore. Right. Okay, but... You had a whole bunch of responsibility that you just shirked your shoulders at, and that's not right. good enough. No. And, uh, and to, that's going to impact, no matter where you are in the workforce, it's going to impact you. Right. And you look at these dispatchers in this this large 90-person dispatch center, your veterans are training those 13 newbies that are coming in. So mm-hmm. add to the stress of flagging all those calls and having to train people, too. You know, I mean, they go through a training prior to going in. In this particular county, they have a boot camp, which I think is awesome, where they get all the nitty gritty. They learn, you know, the importance of the job, what you got to do, how to answer calls, how to answer the phone calls, how to deal with particular types of callers. System that they're using, et cetera. Right. right. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's great because then they kind of have that soup all mixed up together that when they come into the job, now it's practical learning. But you have to do your practical learning with one of your veterans. Right. That veteran is already stressed to the hilt by taking all those calls. Add to that a layer of training to somebody who may or may not be catching on, and it's more stress. And that's going to stress out your trainee as well. I send out lots of encouragement and strength to the the dispatchers out there who are stressed and who are on the edge of burnout. And please take care of yourself and reach out for help if you can. I don't know. It's just... I can't imagine having to work in a center where you don't have the support that you need. And I pray that people come together and get back into law enforcement and our dispatch centers so that we can help everybody and people don't have to be put on hold anymore. There's a lot of people that I've talked to and listening to my podcast who are interested in becoming a dispatcher. Oh, yeah. And I think that's great. I'm glad I haven't scared you away because while it's a, a stressful job, 
it can be so rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's the only reason I've been here for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love what I do. I actually enjoy training people. I encourage you, if you're interested in becoming a dispatcher, apply. Go out there. You just need a, a high school diploma. Hopefully a little bit of life experience, but you, you'll get all the training you need on the job and through training that they'll send you to, which is great for computer training and whatnot. But go out there and apply because we need you everywhere. We need you everywhere. So if you want to work for your local police department or a county agency that's a little bit bigger and you know what your threshold is, if you want it busy or not so busy, gauge that on how big your city is. And go and apply and, and become the best dispatcher you can. And you can always contact me at digitallydispatch.com. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. We have talked about a lot. So true. Wow. <laughs> so much. But I, what I want to know is what do you think? Jump over to digitallydispatch.com and fill out the quick web form and let me know what you think. Here's a little nugget of knowledge for you. If you're considering being a dispatcher, one of the great things is that it is so diverse. Mm -hmm. I mean, you deal with all different types of callers. And I mean, some of them are incredibly exciting and some of them are kind of mundane, but that's okay because you get the whole spectrum and it's never boring. And you can work 24 hours a day. (laughs) If you like working day shift, might be able to work day shift afternoons or midnights there are some agencies that rotate so you get to work all of them which just makes it even more diverse and some places have permanent shifts so look into that too when you're applying the calls stories and legacies i share are dispatched digitally the lessons learned by all the callers you especially me are a piece of my life's unfolding story that I'm proud to share and are preserved digitally. Your thoughts, ideas, and comments can be sent to me electronically at my website, digitallydispatched.com. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa, and you have been digitally dispatched.